We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the December 4th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a word of his podcast. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Blair Andrews. You can follow at Am I the Real Blair. Blair, how's it going? It's going all right. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like a broken record. I say this every week, it seems like. But, you know, another really bad week for DFS and season long is okay slash pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just hanging in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much over the DFS thing at this point. Like, I am, I'm just not having a good year, so I'm just trying to focus my, my energy on my season long teams because they're doing pretty well. But uh, joining us today on the show to break down all the news is Nick Giffen. Nick is, uh, well, he's our boss, Blair. He uh, he owns the <laughs> site. He's a co-owner of uh, Rotoviz. Uh, you all know him on Twitter at Rotodoc. Obviously, uh, fantastic NASCAR DFS player. Also. Very talented this this year uh, with the footballs, so he's doing really well with that and the FPC, FFPC. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming on tonight, man. How was everything? Hey guys, excited to be on this show. I think uh, I think the last time I was on this show was maybe a year and a half ago, so not this past off season, but the off season before. So pretty excited to be on. Um, things could be going a little better in terms of this weekend's games. Obviously, we're recording this on on Sunday night and. Uh, 
yeah, I wish my Sunday had gone a little better for my FFPC teams. For those who don't know, I had two teams um, make the finals of, uh, so it's like the, the way the FFPC is set up, the main event, um, there's 120 leagues and there's 12 teams in each league. So um, in my 12 team league, I made the playoffs, not only the playoffs, but I made the finals of the playoffs in both my leagues. And barring some kind of crazy ass miracle on Sunday and Monday night football, uh, I'm going to be losing both finals. And so it's disappointing. I mean, I still will end up profiting pretty nicely. I've, I've guaranteed at least $5,000. Um, and, and my buy-ins were a little over $3,000 total. I think 3200 total. So still guaranteeing profit. But uh, I would have loved the one that both of those because that would be 10K instead of 5K. And I'd have two bullets into the Grand Championship where the Grand Championship first place prize is a quarter million dollars. Instead, I'll only have one bullet. But... Uh, yeah, a bit of a tilting day, and I also skipped DFS because of that. And I, if you listen to the Road of His on the Daily DFS podcast, I was all over the Chiefs double stack with Alex Smith, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. Didn't end up playing any DFS, so about as tilting of a Sunday as you can get. But uh, say la vie, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I feel like I have nothing to complain about now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just get right into the news. Uh, first item this week, Kenyon Drake. Carried the rock 23 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. He also caught three of five targets for 21 yards. Uh, Dolphins did lose. Uh, sorry, Dolphins won against the Broncos today. Uh, Nick, now that we've seen the volume that Drake is going to get without Damian Williams, uh, is he an RB1 going forward if Williams continues to sit? I'm, I'm not sure he's an RB1. Um, I think, you know, he... Certainly has has very good volume, and I think it's smart for Miami to give him as much volume as they can. Give him RB1 type volume because uh, they need to know what they're going to get out of him, I think, at this point in time. He's been in the NFL for a couple years, uh, and uh, you know I think it, it, they really don't know what they have from him. They haven't really used him as a workhorse back, obviously, with, uh, with Jay Ajayi there, with... Um, you know, with Damian Williams there, they, they really haven't seen what they can get from, from Kenyon Drake as a featured back. And this is their opportunity to do so. So I think, uh, they need to continue to do that. And I think it's very good for Kenyon Drake that he, he, you know, he probably will get RB one volume. Um, I just don't know if, if Miami is a team that will be playing with a, a lot of leads. Obviously they've got new England, in week 14, uh, which they're probably not going to be playing with a lead. Great matchup with Buffalo in week 15. And then Kansas City is kind of a wild card matchup. Kansas City is a defense that backs have been up and down against. So I wouldn't say RB1, but he's definitely an RB2 and maybe even a high-end RB2. But it's hard for me to put him ahead of guys like you know Ingram, Kamara, Todd Gurley, uh, you know, just a bunch of a bunch of guys who have been pretty healthy this year. Uh, you know, I can't really put them ahead of guys, even guys like Devontae Freeman throughout the playoffs. Freeman has a couple uh, matchups against the Saints there, which could be high scoring. So um, it's hard for me to put him RB one, but I definitely think he is a, a solid RB two going forward for the rest of the season. I mean, it's a little bit hard to, I think, for me anyway, to uh, read much from this game. I mean. The Dolphins scored a defensive touchdown, and they had two safeties. And, uh, you know, Denver's offense is just uh, terrible. So, you know, playing with a lead like this, as you mentioned, is going to be pretty rare, I think, for them. So I don't know if we're even going to see this kind of volume from Drake going forward. I mean, he's obviously the only back in Miami who's really uh, doing anything. 
Um, so, you know, you have that to rely on, but it's just a question of whether Miami is going to be in a position to run the ball and especially give him touches near the goal line. So, um, I'm probably a little bit less optimistic, I guess, than Nick. So you don't think he's at RB2? Um, I don't know. I don't want to play him anywhere, but yeah, I mean, I guess if you, you know, gun to my head, I guess I'd say RB2, but lower than you. <laughs> I'm highest of the group, but I'd say probably only slightly more than you, Nick. I mean, I just, I really like the volume. I think that when the game script is negative, I think that the passing volume would be higher. I mean, you got five targets in a game where Miami didn't really have to do much throwing. So I, I kind of think that maybe that number approaches like seven in a game against a team like New England. And New England's obviously really struggled with running backs. And uh, Shady, I thought, played pretty well today, had a bunch of opportunities. But the, the, the real money matchup is that Week 15 matchup. I mean, I think that Kenyon Drake is the kind of guy that can get you into your league championship this year uh, simply because uh, Buffalo – I mean, outside of Kareem Hunt, you know, Buffalo hasn't stopped anyone, I feel like, in two months on the crown. Like, they've just been getting destroyed since they traded Darius, and I kind of expect that to continue. So, I mean, I think with such a short window, um, you know, I'm going to be really, really high on Drake. I'm going to really accentuate the one matchup, but I, I, I think that even the, the other two, the New England and at KC, I think that he at least has, like, a solid floor just because of the volume. So, I'd probably say, like, in that 10 to 14 range for him. All right, moving on to the second item. Chiefs offense seemed to be back to their first half ways, breaking the 30-point barrier for the first time in over a month. Uh, Alex Smith completed 19 of 33 passes for 366 yards with four touchdowns, uh, two to Kelsey and two to Hill, and no interceptions while rushing once for 70 yards. Um, however, Kareem Hunt, he rushed only nine times for 40 yards while catching three of five targets for 23 yards. So, Nick, do you think that the Chiefs are back for good now? And are you worried that even on a good offensive day, Hunt wasn't able to get anything going? Yeah, so a bit of a, a bit of a two-part question here. Are the Chiefs back for good? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, man. It's hard to, hard to understand what to make of this team. I mean, I don't think you put too much stock into one game. But uh, I also don't think that the Chiefs are as bad as they were for that stretch a few games. I mean, we saw at the beginning of the year... Uh, they were just amazing. So I think they just have a wide range of outcomes, and we're gonna just, we're just gonna have to accept that fact from here on forward. That you know they're they're a team that has a wide range of outcomes. They can have great offensive days. They can struggle on offense. Uh, obviously, the play calling there has been a bit of a, an issue, and. Uh, you know, supposedly Andy Reid seated the play calling duties. So uh, if, you know, if, if they're back to more aggressive play calling ways, that, that could be pretty interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I think one thing that I do really believe, and I think there's been a huge find of uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's, is the depth of target that a quarterback throws is not quarterback specific. So Alex Smith, everybody's always been, oh, he's a dink and dunker, game manager, Nah, I mean, look what he's doing with Tyreek Hill there. He's throwing bombs, and, and they've been connecting all year on, on, on long shots. And depth of target sticks with the wide receiver. So, uh, you know, I, I think what you got to do is you just kind of, at least as the, the Chiefs as a team goes, you just kind of got to play matchups and situations. And uh, I thought the matchup against the Jets was a great one. The Jets have, have allowed so many touchdowns through the air. Uh, it's about 50% of the points they allow have come through the air which is one of the tops in the NFL. So 
thought it was a good matchup, but I think going forward, this could really be a matchup-driven team. Um, you know, the Chiefs have had some big output games when they've had some favorable matchups. So, uh, through the air, I should say. So, you know, they get Oakland next week. Very good situation. But then they get the Chargers, which I think will be tough. Uh, and then they get Miami, which, again, will be pretty favorable for the pass game. So, I think you kind of got to play matchups here. As far as Kareem Hunt... I'm I'm even more puzzled here than I am with the Chiefs' offense as a whole. Uh, I I really don't know what to make. I mean, he's done nothing lately, and you know, he started off the year incredibly hot. The first three or four weeks of the season was was awesome. He was you know my my running back model, rest of the season model, projected him as either the running back one or the running back two the rest of the way, but uh, didn't happen. So I don't know what to make of Kareem Hunt. Uh, maybe you guys can help me out here. I'm, I mean, my pessimism is at an all time high. Like, I'm just, he had like those huge runs in the beginning of the year. I, I think that at the time, I was just thinking, well, the offense has been really good. The volume has been pretty good. So, you know, even when those long plays regress, they'll still be able to produce because he's in a functional offense and he's seeing a lot of work, but that work just hasn't been here at all. I mean, and he just hasn't done anything even when he's gotten the ball. Like, I, Today, he had a really bad drop in the flat. Um, I, I just, I'm completely puzzled by the Kareem Hunt thing. I know that the offensive line has not played as well as they did over the first, you know, three or four weeks of the season. But, I mean, they played well enough today for the offense to move the ball really well. Uh, and he still didn't get opportunities. At, you know, the Chiefs changed play callers heading into his game. Andy Reid handed off play calling duties. So, I was hoping that maybe that would give Hunt a spark. But, you know, still under nine rush attempts on the day. Just very, very suboptimal. I mean, uh, again, the, the Oakland matchup is really good. And the Charger matchup in two weeks, you know, when they can't throw, which you mentioned, you know, that's a game where they're going to need to probably lean on the, the run game to win. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, though. Like, I just... Hunt is like a guy that, like, two weeks ago, I was trying to get... trying to acquire everywhere because of the playoff schedule. And uh, now I'm kind of wishing that I didn't because I just... I, I'm not really sure when this is going to bounce back. So I remember on uh, Rotoviz Radio last week, I think Josh ADHD was on and he mentioned something, maybe it's anecdotal, but I bet he probably had some data to back it up. I just don't remember what it was, but he mentioned that Hunt uh, seemed like he wasn't getting targeted downfield as much as he used to be at the beginning of the year. I mean, uh, you know, I remember in the New England game week one, for instance, he caught some really long passes uh, really far downfield and... I don't know, maybe it's the case that he's not getting those targets anymore. So, I don't know, do you guys see, I mean, have you noticed anything different about his usage or something in that regard? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say because uh, I, I agree with you, he's not getting the, the deeper targets and... Uh, part of me is is wondering if it's if it's the play calling, if it's the scheme has changed, if they're featuring him less. Because he definitely is. He's definitely had lower volume in the past two weeks. But uh, part of me also wonders if there really is kind of this rookie wall with some of these these rookie backs. I mean, we've seen Leonard Fournette has struggled a little bit more in the past few weeks. Obviously, he he was coming off an injury, but but he's a few weeks removed, and he still hasn't been the Leonard Fournette at the beginning of the year. Uh, we've seen Kareem Hunt. Um, but of course, Alvin Kamara has been very good as a rookie. Uh, but you know, he was used a little bit less at the beginning of the season with Adrian Peterson over there at the Saints. So um, I think it, it could be com- maybe a combination of factors. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm with Anthony that I'm a little bit pessimistic. And uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to have a big game at some point in the fantasy playoffs. I just don't know when that's going to be. 
Yeah, no touchdowns since uh, week three. I mean, just talk about a, a complete wasteland. It's unfortunate, but you know this is kind of what we have to deal with right now. And I think if you if he does have a big game for you in the playoffs, you're just kind of thankful. You know, <laughs> you know, like the Marshawn Lynch. I'm thankful. I just don't really think you can count on it. Uh, would either of you guys consider benching him if you own him on a season long team? Yeah, I mean, it depends on your other pieces. Well, yeah, for sure. And theoretically, Hunt could have been someone you drafted in like the double digit rounds in the preseason. So, I mean, it's possible that you have other guys. It's possible that you have like a Kenyon Drake and a Leonard Fournette or a Todd Gurley. Like you could have those guys. I, I could see a reason to bench him. I just don't think, I don't think that running back has been so good where there's like all these awesome options. I, I just like, I have serious FOMO with a guy like Hunt. Like I'd probably just be playing him. All right, let's get into the no shit, shit, no segment. Uh, first item this week, uh, Nick, we have D.D. Westbrook, who caught six of nine targets for 78 yards in the Jaguars' Week 13 win over the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say no shit. I mean, this guy, six of nine targets this week, uh, six of ten last week, and then three of six, his very first NFL game. Um, I think this, you know... Right now, nine targets, ten targets, six targets, uh, plenty of yards. We're just waiting for that touchdown, and um, I think the Jaguars are are pretty interesting. They've <laughs> they've been throwing the ball a bit. Uh, obviously, Indianapolis was a good matchup, but even against Arizona, they threw the ball uh, pretty pretty. Uh, I should say plenty, but um, obviously, Marquise Lee was taken out with Patrick Peterson, and Dede became kind of the main target there. But I think going forward, Seattle banged up secondary, of course. Houston's allowed a lot of points through the passing game and uh, San Francisco. So the rest of this season, I'm definitely buying Dede Westbrook. I like him a lot. Kenny Stills caught 5 of 13 targets for 98 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 13 win over the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to say shit no. Uh, I I like Kenny Stills. I've always been a fan of his, um, but... uh, you know, I think he's one of these guys who's a bit hit or miss. His volume is up lately, so, you know, nine targets, ten, four, eight, eight, and six. And then, uh, obviously, this week, another solid game. But I, I just I have a hard time seeing it with, you know, Devontae Parker there, uh, who could get a little bit healthier. Jarvis Landry, obviously a target hog there. And just the inconsistencies of the offense, so... Um, you know, I think he's probably been kind of near the upside of his range of outcomes the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, there are splits with, with Kenny Stills and Matt Moore, which show Matt Moore has been a lot more favorable for Kenny Stills than, than other quarterbacks, including Jay Cutler. But, uh, I I don't know. I think, I think he's kind of at the peak of his range of outcomes right now. Marvin Jones caught four of eight targets for 90 yards in Sunday's week 13 loss to the Ravens. Uh, no shit, I think, actually. Marvin Jones has been fantastic lately. Uh, a lot of big games, and he's just an air yards monster. I mean, you look at you look at what Marvin did this week and uh, in kind of a difficult matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. You look at his past few games. I mean, big game against the Vikings, big game against the Bears. Had a down game against the Cleveland Browns, which was kind of interesting. But then the three games prior to that, huge game against Green Bay, huge game against Pittsburgh, huge game against New Orleans. We're looking at something here where, again, another guy who's been obviously performing at the top of his range of outcomes, but it's 
been there in the evidence of air yards and targets and, and weighted opportunity rating. All that's been there. We've just been waiting for him to finally, for it all to come together for him. We saw the same thing last year. He started really hot, uh, then cooled off, but the air yards and everything were still there. He also had an injury, but this is a guy who gets monster air yards, um, and uh, I think, you know, he's a no shit for me. Um, he, he'll have some down games, but he will also have some serious blow-up games, uh, you know, the rest of the way, and if, if he continues on the Detroit Lions, I think um, going forward as well. The main thing will be to see what happens with Matthew Stafford and his hand injury. Jordy Nelson caught five of eight targets for 17 yards in the Packers' Week 13 win over the Bucks. Yeah, this one's a this one's an interesting one. I, I think I have to go with shit. No, unfortunately. Um, and the reason is not because Jordy Nelson forgot how to play football. I don't want to hear any of that. Um, Guys don't forget how to play football in the middle of the season. I know Jordy Nelson's getting older, but you know there are plenty of examples of older receivers who have done just fine. And you don't just forget how to play in the middle of the season. This is obviously a chemistry issue with Brett Hundley, um, maybe some some play design issues. But whatever it is, there's absolutely no chemistry here. Um, Hundley has been a huge negative for him, but Jordy Nelson was was a big big-time uh, option early in the season, had some monster games, but uh, just hasn't hasn't been able to put it together with Brett Hundley. And, um, you know, I think we have plenty of evidence at this point that it's just, it's just not working between the two of them. And uh, I think you can't really rely on him the rest of the season as much as of a talent as he is. He's a guy I'm benching, you know, even in favor of, of, of guys like Corey Coleman, for example, in, you know, in favorable matchups. I, I know Josh Gordon is back, but like, Corey Coleman, for example, in a favorable matchup next weekend um, versus Green Bay. I think I'd rather have Corey Coleman than uh, Jordy Nelson. So uh, unfortunate, but I think that's kind of where we've come to. Mike Wallace caught five of eight targets for 116 yards in a win over the Lions. Yeah, this one's this one's really close for me. I'm going to say shit no, just because I don't trust Joe Flacco. Um, I think Mike Wallace is is a, is a great player, uh, especially for his age and uh, what he does. Um, I think he actually makes Joe Flacco look good in some ways. But um, Flacco's been abysmal this year. He has <laughs> before today started. I, I, I can't remember the. Um, I don't know what it, I should say. I don't know what it ha- what it is after today's games. But before today started, he had a lower yards per attempt passing than Cam Newton had rushing. So. Uh, that's not very good, and um, Mike Wallace obviously uh, has been very good the past few, especially now that he's been healthy. I like him a lot, but I just can't trust Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco uh, at the beginning of the year had a, a severe back injury uh, that that Dr. Budoff here at Rotoviz wrote about extensively. Also, that offensive line has been banged up, and it's really shown in Flacco's numbers all year. I guess he's getting healthier, Flacco is, and I'm sure the offensive line has been uh, at least getting healthier because they haven't been getting more injured lately, but uh, I guess I'm more inclined to trust him than I would have been a few weeks ago, but it's just really hard for me to trust the Ravens in general, although it was very interesting that they put up a big game against a a Detroit Lions secondary that started off the year really hot and then cooled off, so I'm going to say shit no, but I think this one's pretty borderline. LaShawn McCoy rushed 15 times for 93 yards in the Bills' Week 13 loss to the Patriots, adding two catches for nine additional yards. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I, th- I think it's no shit. LaShawn McCoy is an RB1 still. Um, you know, if you compare him, to, for example, to somebody like Kenyon Drake, very much so an RB1, uh, gets all the volume. Um, great set of matchups here at the end, Indianapolis. 
Uh, Miami is a, a little bit tougher, and then he gets New England again. But the thing that I like about him with New England is, I mean, he just he's worked in all facets of the game. They throw to him. Uh, so if they're playing from behind, they'll they'll still involve LaShawn McCoy in the pass game. Um, obviously, he's the featured back. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's the only tough thing will be if, obviously, with, with the Tyrod situation here, getting injured, Nathan Peterman coming in late in this game against New England. If Nathan Peterman is the quarterback, that's kind of a negative. But it's a negative for the offense as a whole. But maybe after seeing what Peterman did in his first start, throwing interceptions like five of nine passes or something like that, maybe they just keep handing it LaShawn McCoy. They really should. So I'm going to say no shit, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think it really comes down to this quarterback situation as to whether he's kind of a mid-tier RB1 or maybe a back-end RB1 slash upper RB2. Derrick Henry rushed 11 times for 109 yards and a touchdown in Week 13 against the Texans. No shit, dude. I mean, he, he basically broke the road of his prospect lab. Uh this guy is this guy's a beast. Um, you know, I think uh, you compare him to guys like Ezekiel Elliott, and they could be neck and neck in terms of talent. And I might actually put Derrick Henry ahead of Ezekiel Elliott in terms of talent. Obviously, there's other things like the offensive line and stuff where Zeke, I think, has that going in favor of him when he's obviously on the field. But Derrick Henry, man, he's a guy who... I think he should be the lead back there in Tennessee. Obviously, he's split in touches with DeMarco Murray, but... Um, just a, a, a fantastic talent, um, and we saw that end of the game there. He broke a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, just an incredible player. I, I love Derrick Henry. I'm I'm buying him in every possible way I can. Dynasty, season long, whatever you got. Uh, give me some Derrick Henry. Alex Collins rushed 15 times for 75 yards and two touchdowns with two receptions for 23 yards in Sunday's Week 13 win over the Lions. Yeah, Alex Collins is interesting, um, uh, at least as far as the running back rest of season schedule goes. The Baltimore Ravens, per the buy low machine on Rotoviz, has the third best remaining schedule. I should say the third best schedule for the fantasy playoffs, weeks 14 through 16. We're not really counting week 17, obviously, but uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Indianapolis are all three green matchups. So good matchups for, for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, obviously, Danny Woodhead there is a concern. I think Terrence West, uh, Terrence West out of the picture has been for a long time. Uh, and Buck Allen, I really think, is kind of the third wheel here. So give me some Alex Collins in the fantasy playoffs. I think he can be a flex starter at, at some point. So I'm going to give a no shit here. Jamal Williams rushed 21 times for 113 yards and one touchdown in the Packers' 26-20 Week 13 win over the Bucks. I'm going to rain on the parade a little bit and say, uh, shit, no. Um, I think Jamal Williams was the third option, um, I guess, you know, at certain points this year. Uh, he was behind Ty Montgomery. Uh, obviously, you know, um, Aaron Jones got some run, and, and Aaron Jones showed well there at the end of the game here against Tampa Bay. So uh, I think it's just tough to trust a situation where there could be two backs and, and possibly if Ty Montgomery gets held through three backs involved. Now, Long term, next year going into Dynasty, we'll have to see. I mean, Aaron Jones, also a rookie, he was selected behind Jamal Williams in the draft one round later. So maybe Jamal Williams has the edge going forward in Dynasty, but I think he's probably not going to be a guy that we're going to be relying on as a as an every week starter going forward. Um, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I think... I think there's there's plenty of other options and uh, a little bit of concern there with Jamal Williams in terms of him being a featured back. So I like him, 
but I'm going to say shit no in terms of uh, his near-term prospects for this year because of the committee situation and also just long-term because he and Aaron Jones will probably have a, a good battle in the years to come for, for splitting touches at, at best. Peyton Barber rushed 23 times for 102 yards and caught all four of his targets for 41 yards in the Bucks' Week 13 loss to the Packers. Ugh, I, I, I'm going to say shit no. Uh, it's Peyton Barber. I mean, he's he, he looked really actually looked pretty good today, and he got a cu- couple touchdowns a week or two prior. But you know, I mean, the Tampa Bay situation here, the the offense just has been terrible this year. Um, they've struggled a ton. It doesn't matter which quarterback has been in, and it's not like we're in week three or four or five or even possibly week six where. Um, you know, just kind of figuring out the beginning of the season. We're in week 13. We have multiple weeks with different quarterbacks. This offense has struggled. And I, and I know Peyton Barber's been kind of a bright spot, but the running backs of a whole haven't been that great at Tampa Bay. And you got to think that uh, eventually it'll come back to kind of bite Peyton Barber as well on the efficiency side. So I'm going to say shit no. Uh, and, and you just also have to go with the fact that there's a lot of competition for him. I think if Doug Martin gets healthy, uh, it could be, be, be trouble. You know, they could always work in Jaquiz Rogers again if Doug Martin's out. So I'm going to say shit. No, he probably is right now at the peak of his value. John Moore somewhere is, is smiling. Um, Trent Taylor caught all six of his targets today for 92 yards in a 49ers rare win over the bears. Yeah. Uh, no shit. Actually. I like this guy. Um, he, he has some good, good metrics, but, uh, you know, obviously he plays on a team that's just been absolutely abysmal this year in San Francisco, but I, I like the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback now, and, uh, they seem to have a little bit of a rapport there, at least in the small sample size that we have. But, you know, I, I've, I've played Trent Taylor earlier this season in DFS thinking he'd be in a good situation. Obviously San Francisco, uh, doesn't have... Um, you know, some of their their receiving talent that they've had in the past. Uh, Pierre Garçon's injured. So um, I think I think Trent Taylor is a, a good play going forward. It's just a matter of matchups. I think Houston and Tennessee are good matchups. Obviously, Jacksonville Week 16, terrible matchup. But I, I do like him going into next year as well. We'll have to see how the offense shakes out. But uh, I'm, I'm buying because I think he's a, a pretty good talent. And hopefully they'll put some... You know, some pieces around him, even if they keep Garoppolo, maybe they'll put some offensive line pieces around him, maybe a second receiver that's actually capable of doing something. Uh, and and I'd definitely like to see him have some success. But, yeah, I'm buying him uh, as a talent. Rex Burkhead rushed 12 times for 78 yards and a pair of touchdowns in the Patriots' Week 13 win over the Bills, adding three receptions for 25 additional yards. Man, I'm pissed at Rex Burkhead right now because of the FFPC, but... Uh, yeah, I've been. I was buying Rex Burkhead all off season. I scooped him up in basically every redraft league, and uh, the one I didn't, of course, is the one I faced him in this weekend in the FFPC. Uh, got Burkhead in my other one, which is going into the Grand Championship. So I'm I'm pretty stoked for some Rex Burkhead. But I mean, this is a guy who, for a couple years running now, if you include this year has been basically at the top of the league in terms of yards per carry over expectation, which is a metric that I use to, uh, you know, it adjusts for down distance and field position. So it basically says, here's your expected yards per carry for the down distance and field position. Rex Burkhead at the Bills, or or sorry, at the the Bengals, I mean, and now with the Patriots has been over expectation on his his, uh, rushing. 
And obviously he adds in the receiving. Um, you know, Chris Hogan's still banged up. So I think Rex Burkhead, I mean, I, I know he's had two amazing weeks recently, but uh, I think he's obviously a guy that the Patriots like. And hey, if Gronk is suspended next week, uh, I think you got to keep rolling the Burkhead out there. Robbie Anderson snagged eight of 12 targets for 107 yards. He also added one carry for seven yards in the Jets' thrilling win over the Chiefs. This is this is an interesting one because it's kind of like shit no and no shit in terms of uh, I think shit no for his long term prospects uh, UDFA he's you know he he didn't have the greatest of uh, uh, certain metrics he's obviously got other metrics coming out of college that were very good but uh, he's just a guy that I think is you know gonna be like. And I think Josh Hermsmeyer pointed this out on Twitter pretty well. He's going to be this year's Terrell Pryor from last year, right, where Terrell Pryor just kind of went off in a in a really odd situation there with Cleveland where he was basically the only option. Robbie Anderson isn't the only option here. I mean, like Jermaine Curse is kind of an option. Um, you know, the running game kind of does things, kind of like last year with the Cleveland Browns where the running game kind of did things, and you sometimes had Corey Coleman to rely on, but basically it was Terrell Pryor. So I think it's a very similar comparison. And, uh, you know, we know what happened to Terrell Pryor this year. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Robbie Anderson next year's Terrell Pryor. But I think it's an apt comparison, and he's probably at the peak of his value right now in terms of uh, in terms of what he's doing, in terms of his on-field performance. I think we're probably seeing elite Robbie Anderson performance, and he's been very good this year. And I will continue to ride him this year. I just worry in dynasty leagues going forward if you're going to be overpaying for him. Speaking of Jermaine Curse, he corralled nine of ten targets for 157 yards Sunday in the Jets' Week 13 win over the Chiefs. Yeah, I remember when everyone said he was terrible. Uh, I think he's he's been pretty good this year, in a uh, also in a terrible offense. And um, I guess a little bit of a different situation here between the Browns last year and the Jets this year. You know, with the whole prior Robbie Anderson comparison, is Curse has been a much better you know one B or n- number two to Robbie Anderson's one A or one whatever you want to call it than uh, you know prior had over there in Cleveland. Um, Curse, I think, is a guy who will be. Situation dependent. I mean, Heath Kruger on the on the on the daily podcast, the DFS podcast, when he called Hurses Curses big game, I should say, uh, this weekend and and played a lot of him. So uh, obviously, uh, I think there's times where there'll be good situations for him this year. Um, Josh McCown should be the quarterback the rest of the way uh, unless they get eliminated from playoff contention. Even then, I think he, my personal opinion, is he still should be because he's been so good, especially in great matchups. But uh, yeah, I think Curse is fine this year. Um, next year going forward, we'll have to see what happens with the Jets. But like Robbie Anderson, he might be at the peak of his uh, his performance value. I don't know next year if he's going to be a guy that the Jets are going to be relying on uh, to kind of carry this offense. But you never know. I mean, the Jets are the Jets, and they've been <laughs> they've been so terrible for a while that uh, you know if Curse comes back, he could be good. But I really don't think we know what's going to happen with him in the future. So. Um, you're kind of he's in a similar similar boat with Robbie Anderson to me for me I'm saying no shit for the rest of the year but but uh, a little more hesitant for for going forward Marshawn Lynch carried the ball 17 times for 101 yards and a touchdown he also caught two of three targets for 20 yards yeah I'm gonna say shit no um you know this has been one of his couple major games this year and then you look at the running back playoff schedule for Marshawn Lynch. It's pretty brutal. Um, he he has Kansas City, Dallas, and Philly, which 
Per the Rotovis buy low machine, if you just look at the last five weeks, uh, I like to look either at five or six weeks because that's kind of what's happening recently uh, and shows and has shown to be the most predictive per my numbers. Uh, he actually has the fifth worst fantasy playoff schedule, uh, and we know he's not getting any younger. And I know obviously he had a big run here against New York Giants, uh, you know, on the afternoon game here on Sunday. But I think just the overall body of work has been. He's going to have a couple big games, but mostly he's just going to be kind of mediocre. He's got some bad matchups. So I'm going to say shit no on Marshawn Lynch for, for the rest of this season. And who knows? This might be his last year in the NFL. Alvin Kamara rushed nine times for 60 yards and two touchdowns in the Saints' Week 13 win over the Panthers, adding five receptions for 66 yards. No shit, dude. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. Uh, he does everything. I mean, he, he just does everything. He's so hyper-efficient. Um, his his passing numbers are incredible. His rushing numbers are very good. Uh, his yards per touch, amazing. Doesn't matter what facet of the game comes in. I know there's going to be some regression. There has to be, just given how damn good he's been. But in one of his supposedly toughest matchups of the year this year against Carolina, uh, which we just saw earlier today, great game, amazing game. And then he gets a playoff schedule of Atlanta, New York Jets, and Atlanta. I mean, you, what what's there not to love? Obviously, in Dynasty, um, I think he's he's a guy who's probably going to be going uh, as a top 12 overall player right now um, in Dynasty. Obviously, rookie year and just what he's done. Um, but I, I think that in terms of Dynasty, maybe I would go a little towards shit now just because Drew Brees is coming towards the end of his career. Um, he's He's been so incredibly efficient that... Uh, you know, I think there's probably room for some regression there, and, and there's obviously uncertainty in the future. So I don't know if I'd pay first-round talent for him in Dynasty, but I'm not really much of a Dynasty player. I just know this year I want as much Alvin Kamara as I can get for the rest of the year. Amazing fantasy playoff schedule. Amazing player. He's just He's been awesome, and the, the Saints offensive line has been awesome, and he's got Mark Ingram to compliment him. Just a great situation. Keenan Allen caught 10 of 14 targets for 107 yards and a touchdown. In week fourteen, uh, sorry, in week thirteen, over the Browns. Yeah, I'm gonna say no shit. This is the Keenan Allen we've we've been expecting all year. Um, you know, I think Keenan Allen is is another guy who just massive volume. I, I think there was there was it was kind of a no brainer with Keenan Allen that he was just gonna get a ton of volume. The question is, was coming off of injury. For, for a couple consecutive years now, what was he going to do with that volume? And he's shown just to be um, a great talent, a great uh, efficient player. He and R- Rivers obviously uh, have a, a great rapport, and uh, I see no reason for that volume not to continue. Very good fantasy playoff schedule. Like him a lot going forward uh, in the next year. No shit for me. Devin Funches caught four of seven targets for 60 yards and a touchdown in the Panthers' Week 13 loss to the Saints. Yeah, another guy who's a no-shit for me. Um, started off really slow against the Saints, which was uh, a bit frustrating. Um, you know, the, the Panthers ran it a lot, so I think that's the main concern there is just their propensity to run, 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 and run the ball and run again. Um, and he has a tough matchup against Minnesota next week. I think Xavier Rhodes will probably uh, maybe render him useless or near useless, but he's the only option there in terms of the wide receivers uh, we'll have to see what happens with Greg Olson, of course, in terms of his health. But he's the only option there in terms of the wide receivers that you can really rely on. So he should continue to get a decent enough volume. And then 
after Minnesota in week 14, weeks 15 and 16, he's got Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Two very green matchups per the road of his Bilo machine. So I like Funchess a lot. Um, plenty of volume, and I think going forward, also going to have tons of volume next year as well. So, uh, you know, a guy that wrote of his was, was part, parts of wrote of his, I should say. Uh, if, you, if you remember the old fantasy douche Matt Friedman battles uh, on Funchess there, has been pretty high on. So I'm, I'm high on Funchess. I like him a lot. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft. It lasts for just one week. There is no management. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades. No waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you play for cold hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there is a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you would play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whichever you'd like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. Now let's get into a couple more regular news items to wrap up the show. Item number three, Josh Gordon caught four passes for 85 yards on 11 targets in his return against the Chargers. Nick, this is a fairly strong performance, I would say, for someone who hasn't played football in three years. And you have to love the volume. Uh, what do you make of Gordon for the rest of the year, and how are you valuing him in Dynasty? Yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting piece of news. I mean, it seems like the weekend of the comeback with Tiger Woods and Josh Gordon. Um, and it's interesting because both of these comebacks feel different than uh, both these guys have had a lot of you know multiple comebacks, we could say, from injury or, or in Gordon's case, suspensions. But both of these feel different. Um, I know Tiger Woods obviously feels different. Back surgeries, finally healthy. Uh, Josh Gordon feels like he's kind of hopefully clean, sober, uh, really changes attitude, all of those things. So it seems really good on the surface. And I think uh, obviously based off the first game, very high expectations, 210 air yards, 11 targets, um, 85 yards receiving, and obviously in a very tough matchup against Casey Hayward of the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, a um, couple couple things we have to consider here. Josh Gordon does have very difficult matchups the rest of the way, just in terms of, I wouldn't say Josh Gordon, but the Cleveland Browns in general in the pass game have some difficult matchups going forward. Next week, they get the Green Bay Packers, which is a good matchup, but after that, some very, very difficult matchups. So, um, you know, tough for me to... Uh, rely just in terms of matchups uh, on a, on the rest on Josh Gordon the rest of this year but I know they're going to try to work him in but I'm definitely bullish for the future on him if he stays clean stays out of trouble things like that I think he's a wide receiver one talent uh, probably a high end wide receiver one talent um, going forward but I think you probably have to knock him down a little bit just because of, of everything Charles Klein-Exel's shown at Road of His around suspensions and the recurrence and things like that. You have to give some probability that the fact that there could always be a relapse. We hope that doesn't happen. We 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 want Josh Gordon to succeed, uh, but 
you have to be realistic. You have to rely on the numbers as well and realize there is some probability of that happening. So I think you have to put him kind of at the end of that elite tier, maybe even drop him down one or two wide receivers beyond that elite tier just because of the risk factor that's there. But I can certainly understand there's more upside than that in Dynasty. So I'm I'm in on Josh Gordon as a wide receiver one. I don't care who his quarterback is. I mean, he's played with terrible quarterbacks his whole career, and he's put up some insane numbers when he's been healthy and in, in fit and good situations. And uh, by all accounts, this seems to be the best situation for him in terms of his comebacks that he's been in his NFL career. Uh, you know, after this game, you know, it's pretty, on the face of it, just kind of a mediocre line. But, I mean, um, you know, the volume is really good. And for him to come out and not bomb after missing three seasons be almost impossible to acquire i'd say in season long especially given the concerns you mentioned about his schedule going forward um it would be i think hard to hard to get him at a price you feel comfortable with but i wonder um you know in dynasty i know you said you didn't play a lot nick but uh who would you maybe trade to get him yeah i I mean i don't know i don't do dynasty trades all i know is is where i'd value him is he's as a maybe you know dynasty elite dynasty wide receiver talent going forward uh you know you could put guys like mike evans up there obviously i think antonio brown is still up there in in the wide receiver category for dynasty um odell beckham obviously uh should probably be the the wide receiver one in dynasty but i think josh gordon is just behind that tier of of where i'd put him in dynasty for among wide receivers so um you know i think uh there's there's a couple wide receivers that are getting older. Julio Jones, for example, will be uh, in his in his upper upper twenties. Um, I think you kind of have to maybe write off a little bit guys like Jordy Nelson and his age and his quarterback situation. Obviously, is not good this year, but even um, you know next year with Aaron Rodgers, it's fine. But but you have to wonder about him. So uh, Brandon Cooks, good situation. I probably put him right around Brandon Cooks going forward. Um, I think Brandon Cooks will be maybe more up and down, have some boom and bust games. Uh, but I think Josh Gordon could be more consistent going forward. Uh, but there obviously are the concerns with Gordon around any possible relapse or suspend, resuspension or anything like that that could uh, probably end his career. So, uh, you, again, you have to give a little bit of probability. But I like him right around maybe where I would like uh, Brandon Cooks in Dynasty. Yeah, and, and just to make a note on the performance today from Gordon, uh, it was the second highest uh amount of receiving yards that the Chargers had given up to a, a wideout all year. Uh, the most was Odell Beckham. So a uh, really impressive performance, I think, when we adjust for the matchup. And, you know, we talk about the rest of the year. Obviously, the Green Bay matchup, you said, was really good. But I, I even think that that Baltimore matchup could end up being somewhat sneaky. Uh, Jimmy Smith injured his Achilles today. He's going to be out for the year. Uh, and He's been fantastic, probably one of the best corners in the league. So I think that his presence, or his lack of presence, I should say, uh, probably makes that matchup a little bit better. I'm, I'm, you know, certainly as a unit, the secondary for the Ravens has been outstanding. Uh, so I'm not saying this is necessarily like a plus matchup, but uh, if it could trend a little bit closer to league average for him, I think that that helps, you know, his potential production. So r- really in, really in on Gordon, like you guys said, I, I don't really disagree with anything in terms of the value. Um, you know, and I'm just really happy for him. I hope that he can keep, keep this up going forward and, you know, kind of just be a really good, uh, I don't know, a really good example, I think, for a lot of people. I think that'd be really great. All right, item number four. Uh, we had a strange situation this week in New York with the Giants benching Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith. 
Now, Smith didn't seem much better today, averaging only six yards per attempt and leading the Giants to just 17 points on offense. Um, so, Nick, what is your take on the situation, and what Giants are you willing to start in the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, uh, very interesting situation. I think, um, you know, Gino did fine enough, I guess, and uh, he didn't really, he didn't really uh, shine or anything like that, obviously, but... Uh, I mean, at this point, you've already benched Eli. You, you kind of have to go with Geno for a game or two. I think they're probably going to work in uh, Webb, I think it is, here at the end of the season. Um, I'm not a fan of him at all. I know Anthony's not as well, especially being a Giants fan. But, uh, yeah, and it's it's gross. It's it's not fun. I mean, I think uh, it's it's going to be tough for me to use basically any Giants. Um, you, you look at... Just look at matchups. Arizona's been tough against wide receiver, or sorry, against tight ends. Uh, Philly's been tough against tight ends. Dallas has been forgiving. So you got those three games. Um, obviously, the volume's going to be there for for both Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. So those are, those are the two guys in the passing game you could possibly use. But even then, Evan Ingram, some very tough matchups. If you go over to Sterling Shepard, a little bit better. Um, Dallas has has given up a lot of points uh, to slot receivers. And then uh, Philly and Arizona, just in general, are pl- positive matchups for for wide receivers in Arizona. You know, if, if Shepard's playing out of the slot a lot, he's going to be avoiding Patrick Peterson. So I'm using a lot of Sterling Shepard. Uh, I think at the end of the season, totally fine. Lots of good uh, matchups and good value, and plenty of volume, obviously. But you have to wonder if they go, if the Giants go to Webb, if that will hurt him at all. So. Really, really gross situation. Um, I don't trust the running game. I mean, Dark was been fine, but he's not a world beater. I guess he might be, you know, somebody you can start in spots. But uh, even then, not not necessarily the best of schedules. Red matchups per the road of his bylaw machine. So, really, for me, it's it's Sterling Shepard or bust. Yeah, I mean, just a positively disgraceful situation as a Giants fan for me to experience. Uh direct you to my timeline if you want my thoughts on 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 this from a real football perspective but you know from a fantasy perspective it's really difficult to start any of these guys I mean you make a good case for Shepard I think um, Ingram uh, obviously is going to have these these tough matchups I think obviously if Sean Lee's out you know the Dallas matchup is good but if Sean Lee actually comes back and plays you know that matchup I think gets significantly tougher Lee's been pretty good against tight ends this year uh, and the web factor, I think, is real. Uh, I think there's a, a really good chance that, honestly, web starts as soon as next week. But I think certainly the last two or three games of the year it would make the most sense, I guess, to play him. I mean, they've already they've already basically damaged the reputation with Eli, uh, you know, the relationship. Like, I, I, it's not like they can go back to him and have him start. Uh, and I think that they just have to get into evaluation mode if you're going to bench if you're going to bench your quarterback, uh, you know, and bring in Geno Smith. I, and you you got I think what you needed to see from Smith. I mean, the Raiders are the worst pass defense in football, and he still didn't produce. So I think that the evaluation period on Smith, when we consider we still have like another thirty games of him being bad, I think that evaluation's over. So I would imagine David Davis Webb starts sooner rather than later. And to me, that probably tanks a lot of these guys' value. I know that you're not high on him, uh, Nick. I'm not either. So uh, you know, outside of him being uh, basically a surprise and being good. I don't really see any of these guys returning value. I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to start any of these guys. Yeah, I, I want to jump in here real quick. I mean, Davis Webb, if you look at, at my uh, QB success model at Rotoviz, uh, 
it it hates them. It absolutely hates them. Um, and I think the only reason it actually gives them gives them a modicum of success probability is because he was drafted higher than he should have been. So uh, I think it's it's just a he's not a good quarterback. Um, I think. I think he's terrible, and I think he brings down the value of the whole team, especially given that it's his first few games. So I don't, I don't see I can start him. I mean, my model gives him a two point nine percent chance of success, and that's because he was overdrafted, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't, I don't see how you can use him, or, or, or I should say, how you could like the Giants at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, no doubt about it. Davis Webb is not good. I'm, I mean, it's kind of strange that. I think the Giants even decided to play Geno Smith, right? I mean, how well, much evaluation did word, you really... Blair. What's that? Strange isn't even the word. Embarrassing. <laughs> well, embarrassing would be a good word. Disgraceful yeah. would be a good word. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's puzzling, though, to me, just because it seems like we know what Geno Smith is by now. Uh, how much evaluation do you really need? Um, you know, if you're the Giants, you ought to know, I guess, that he's not the future. Um, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, now Shepard had only six targets, uh, Engram had eight, Tavares King had nine. I know it's only one game, but is it at all concerning that, you know, maybe Gino's not looking Shepard's way as much as, uh, Eli was? I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't even know if it matters going forward if Webb's going to be the quarterback, but, uh, I think, uh, I, you know, Shepard's been coming off an injury too, so it's it's pretty tough to say, or not not only an injury but also an illness, so uh, migraines, I guess. So tough to say in terms of volume what to make of it, but just given the matchups, I, I trust him the most, uh, even more than Ingram. But uh, you know, I think Ingram's fine too, given he he's kind of uh, you know he plays tight end and, and tight end and slot can have some similarities sometime, but. It's really hard to just buy any piece of this offense. And the thing that's really concerning with me, like with with Davis Webb, is um, obviously the model hates him. And the crazy thing is he actually had a great touchdown-interception ratio in his final year of college, uh, a 37 touchdown to 12 interception ratio, yet he still only had uh, 7.3 adjusted yards per attempt. And And that adjusts for touchdowns and interceptions. So, I mean, it's... That TD to INT ratio is very good, but that means he didn't throw the ball downfield at all. 620 pass attempts, and he threw for 4,300 yards. I mean, just abysmal. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at his numbers, everything you want from a pro prospect he doesn't have. Terrible college AYA, terrible film grade, small hands. The only thing he's got going for him is ball velocity, uh, which is 59, but that's the least important of the metrics. And really the only thing that ball velocity matters for is you really don't want to just have like a, an abysmal ball velocity. And uh, so having a 59 is really no different than having a 56. You just don't want to have like under 50 uh, for the most part. So, Davis Webb, terrible prospect. Um, I think, you know, it doesn't hurt Shepard a ton. Um, it doesn't hurt Ingram a ton because they're going to get volume, I think. But just, you know, just a gross situation overall. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Nick Giffen. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Rotodoc and get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps you to rate and review the show. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz podcasts under the Rotoviz radio feed. We also have our individual feed for just this show. Search for Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. 
subscribe and leave us a rating and review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Amico. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Be sure to contact us via email at rotobizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at rotobizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.